Hey, it's your pal Mike Shea from SlyFlourish.com here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy DM Prep. This is a weekly show shot 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in which I go through steps from Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master while preparing for my Sunday D&D game. In this case, I am running a homebrew Eberron game known as The Second Morning. This show, like all of the work of Sly Flourish, is brought to you by the patrons of Sly Flourish. If you want to be a patron of Sly Flourish, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash slyflourish and signing up. Uh, patrons get access to a bunch of exclusive things, including a Discord server. They get access to uh, a number of products. Let me show a few different things. Uh, they get access to a, uh, um, a PDF called Sly Flourish's Uncovered Secrets, which has one-page rule supplements on how to make your game easier. Right now, we have zone-based combat, which was just added this last month, and running hordes, uh, which I added originally. There will be a new one of these added every month. Uh, and Regnum Radis is a 10-page adventure for first through fifth level characters uh, in which the uh, adventurers visit uh, an inn and find out that there's all kinds of crazy stuff going beneath the inn. Uh, this adventure is exclusive to uh, patrons of Sly Flourish. And lastly, we have Sly Flourish's Adventure Generators. These are one-page uh, adventure inspiration guides. Uh, the intent is to give you uh, guides of um, guides of random tables that help you sort of build adventures. So this is a very simple one for having a, a, a picking a job at a location to you know find an item or a monument with various conditions. This is a very general one, but we have one for like Seven Samurai. Who are the villagers? What's the village? These are all kind of built around a particular theme. Uh, arena of Fate is a, uh, if you're battling in an arena. Uh, Heart of Darkness is more like your uh, Apocalypse Now style, hunting for a, uh, hu hunting out a traitor in a hostile land. Uh, and then the one I just added this month is Jaws, hunting a powerful beast. So uh, these are all built around a particular adventure theme. And then you can sort of fill in the blanks of the theme by picking from the various lists uh, with the intent of inspiring your own adventures. So I don't expect that people run these directly as is. My, my hope is that these help inspire people to generate their own adventures. So these are all things that you can get by being a patron of Sly Flourish uh, by going over to patreon.com slash Sly Flourish. So uh, now we are going to talk about my Eberron game. So I am running. So the, let's see. Let's talk about where people are. So the goal of the campaign is for them to stop the second morning. And there are numerous groups that are seeking the weapon that can create the second morning. Uh, the, it's in, in, in my own version of Eberron, so what made what caused the morning is a, is, a, is a mystery that remains mysterious in all of the books. No, every, all of us get to decide. And I have decided to decide at least what could cause it again and, and probably what sort of caused it to begin with. And it's really uh, sort of three things that caused it. Uh, one, a very powerful crystal, uh, a dragon shard, a very powerful, very large dragon shard caused it uh, and can cause it again. And that can either be an Eberron crystal, a Kyber crystal, or a Sibrius crystal. I think the original one was probably a Sibrius crystal uh, and that there's an Eberron and a Kyber crystal left. And the Eberron crystal was originally held by Leto Skull. In this game, uh, is the the um, the that crystal was destroyed. So now there's only a Kyber crystal, but um, Leto's uh, so Leto's former bosses, the daughters of Sorakal, uh, have a Kyber crystal that is equally powerful, and they are going to bring it to it. Uh, you need so you need a big crystal. You need very powerful magic. That's a combination of um, magic from uh, uh, um, the Dreamscape Dalcor. 
uh, mixed with magic from Kulsir, the dragon lords of, uh, or the, the giants of Zendrak, and the dragons of Arganesson. So dragon magic, giant magic, nightmare magic mixed together uh, can create magical spells powerful enough to generate a weapon that big. And uh, the third thing you need is a place to do it. And that place is an area in the Mornland known as Claw Rift, which I, I, I haven't figured out exactly what that is or why you need it yet. I keep a lot of blanks open in my game to try to see where things are going to go. But I know that it needs to happen at a particular location called Claw Rift. So if somebody has the capabilities to do so, and they have three things, a giant, uh, a giant dragon shard, uh, a, a book of powerful magic and uh, and they are at Claw Rift. They could theoretically create a new weapon. And the characters know this and they are trying to stop it from happening. So, um, uh, yeah, so somebody brought up, uh, for me, it's weaponized overload crystal turned ICBM that manufactured with sabotage. Yeah, so I think if you go with, like, you know, if you think about the themes of Eberron, there is this definite, like, World War One, World War Two style uh, feeling to it, right? Like it's, it, it sits well between World War One and World War Two, kind of. Although it has like elements of World War Two are in it. So one of the things about World War One is that once World War One was over, no one wanted to ever have another war again. So many people were killed. Five million, I think it was five million Germans were wounded or were, were killed or wounded to the point. Maybe I, I'm, I'm getting the numbers wrong, but it was millions and millions on, on both the Allied and the Axis sides that were either killed or so badly wounded that they could not function in society. They couldn't work. They couldn't, they, they couldn't help society, which meant that the, the economy was just destroyed. And the, um, uh, what was the name? The Treaty of Versailles, which uh, ended the war, also put Germany at a massive disadvantage. And it meant that economically Germany was getting destroyed, which made it absolutely ripe for fascism and ripe for Hitler, right? And that's what happened over the over the whatever it was, the twenty years between um, the twenty years between the end of World War Two, end of World War One, and the beginning of World War Two created this environment. And and th that fact that no one wanted to have any war again um, is why Nazi Germany was able to grow to such extremes. And there was like articles at the time of like. You know, talk about like, you know, what do they call it? Having the wrong take at the wrong time. Lots of lots of people inside Britain uh, were like, we're not going to war again. You know, like we screwed them with the Treaty of Versailles and it sucks. And yeah, now they're building up a war or building up an army, but they kind of deserve that. Right. Because we totally hosed them. And, and and we're not going back to war because like we still remember how terrible the last war was. Right. And, and meanwhile, Churchill's like, it's coming anyway. Right. You know, he was, Churchill was kind of the, yeah, death of, total deaths of World War One, 15 to 22 million. Yeah. And I think there was 5 million British, British that were either killed or wounded. Now, of course, 15 to 22 million was, I think, 10% of those who died in World War Two. So boy, it got a lot worse. And um, I think I have that right. It was like, I think it was like, maybe it's not quite 10 times worse, but it was five times worse. Certainly five times worse. Because I think it was 50 million people that died in World War Two. World War II is just incredibly destructive. 30 million Russians or something like that. Um, so uh, I, I'm bringing, you know, we're talking about World War II history, World War I and World War II history, because it sets as a backdrop to what's going on in Ebron. So there's a reason why we're talking about it. And um, uh, yeah, so one of, the, one of the worst ones that people brought up that there was an article written in the United States about a guy. And he's like, well, 
you know, um, Hitler, you know, Hitler's really bringing Germany to a better place. He's bringing he's drawing them up out of it. This is written in like 35, 37 to 38, right? Right around, right before Hitler started invading everything. And he said like, yeah, you know, Hitler's really, you know, bringing the, you know, bringing people back and, and really being patriotic and you know, bringing, bringing, um, a pride back to Germany that they really needed. And he's doing so and building up a military and that's really strong. And he goes, it's unfortunate that he, that he hates Jews so much, particularly because I'm a Jew. <laughs> and I was like, who did you make a bad take at the wrong time? Right. And so like, yeah, it was really, it was really tough. The last war was a hundred years. It was no way they sustained world war one level casualties for a hundred years. The population of is insanely small anyway. Yeah, true. But it's still, I, I don't, yeah, it's not the number of people killed. Although, wow, the number of people killed in, 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 in sire is huge. Right. I mean, it's a whole continent that was destroyed. So it's not world war two numbers, but it's big. So my point is that there are elements of both World War One and World War Two that are that sit inside of Eberron. I'm sure that Keith Baker had this in mind when he was considering when he was building this adventure, and I'm sure that these were themes that were reinforced by Wizards of the Coast when they were working with Keith on, on building Eberron into Eberron. And some of that is there's lots of spies. There's there's you know I mean if you think about what happened to Sire, it looks like a nuclear bomb, right? It looks like a really really big nuclear bomb, which is sort of tail end of World War Two. But there's also this big drive, like the Treaty of um, Thronehold. Is very similar to the Treaty of Versailles in that it it screws some groups uh, considerably. Uh, the Dargoon, I believe, get got screwed. I think it. I can't remember if the if the Treaty of of um, the Treaty of Thronehold actually allowed the the Dargoon. Um, yeah, after like I use the World War One analogy when I run Eberron in terms of the fatigue, yes, and World War Two in the terms of intrigue and the Cold War. Absolutely, that's exactly what's going on. And, um, but yeah, the, the, like, uh, the Droam, for example, uh, were not ratified in the Treaty of Thronehold. So they are a nation that is illegal, um, according to all of the other nations. And that is actually a big drive in my own game about like why, why the Droam, why the daughters of Sorakal are interested in the weapon. Um, and there is this sort of like playing into the nuclear arms race of like, if I can get the bomb, i.e. if I can get the weapon of mourning, there's numerous nations that are working together that say, if I can get the weapon of mourning, I can um, become a ratified state because no one will want to go against me if I've got the bomb, right? And, um, you know, I think that, uh, I think that that's a powerful motivator for the game. And then it, it creates this thing of like, you have all these different political factions that are at play that are all like, look, we don't want the bomb because we saw what it did to Sire. And then you have all these other groups that are like trying to get it for different reasons. And so that's all kind of culminated into the current campaign. So um, in my current campaign, the characters just, they, they went to the city of Arldusk and left the city and headed out northeast to a place called Anguar Keep. And Anguar Keep sits on the western side of the river that separates Thrain from the Mornland. And uh, they know that on the other side of the river is a city known as uh, Esten. And that in Esten, they believe, is a way to find Clawrift, which is inside the city of Making, uh, which has now become known as the Glass Plateau because of what happened there after, after Mornland. Um, so the characters' motiva motivators right now, they're, they're, they're actually following the trail of an agent of a villain that they've been dealing with for a long time named Lido Skal. They know that this agent uh, was in Arldusk, then left to go to Anguar Keep, disappeared in Anguar Keep, but was but brought a powerful artifact with them, a, a, a thing known as a, uh, a docent, uh, a powerful warforged artifact. And 
disappeared when they went to Angwar Keep. And they were this this agent named Imperai de Falarn, a spy of the of the Orum. Um, the Orum is like uh, uh, they're like a crazy secret society, not so secret society. Uh, and Merrick 90 says, I mean, the daughters aren't wrong. That would probably be the only thing to get them respect and recognition for the other nations. Exactly right. They're not wrong. If they get it, they will, they will be able to do that. And they, maybe they'll never use it. Right. But, and, and everything is fine. But if there's the threat that they have it, you know, yeah. Or equals Freemasons. I don't want to say it cause I'll probably end up on some kind of list. So, um, I'm, you know, I've got the, the, my, my father's blood in me and I worry about the Illuminati all the time. So. Um, yeah, so the Orem sent an agent to go find this. So they know that this woman, uh, Imperai de Falarn, knows where, or is working to try to find uh, making in the Glass Plateau. Um, and that, um, you know, that can work. Uh, they know that they went to Angwar Keep. So the, the party went to Angwar Keep, and what they found at Angwar Keep was a bunch of pacifist warforged known as the followers of the Becoming God. And the followers are a group of warforged that have thrown down their weapons and become farmers. And they work, they build a farmer's market for the local farmers. And they, um, um, they, uh, own, they, they, they were given this keep by Thrain as part of the treaty of Thronehold and part of the alliances. Thrain said, we embrace our warforged brothers and sisters, and we are going to give them this keep. So they gave this group, the keep, the keep spends their time, uh, working on the you know, building up the keep farming. They, um, uh, they, what else do they do? They, uh, oh, and then they spend their evenings when they would normally be sleeping. They instead meditate upon the creation of a new God that is their own, believing that they can do so. And that is known as the becoming God. So the characters met with them. They were very suspicious of these guys. They said like, we're going to get jumped. Like they, they fully expected that they were going to get jumped, uh, by these guys at some point that there's no way pacifist warforged. These warforged are bad news. So they were very suspicious. And the warforged are like, nope, we're that's, we don't have any weapons. They met a huge pacifist warforged titan uh, named Clasp that is a poet now. And it, it, all it speaks is it speaks these like one line and two line poems every or two or three line poems every so often, but it doesn't talk otherwise. And it's very feared by the local villagers because it's this great big hulking war machine. But the great big hulking war machine, it totally has given up its ways, given up its, its warforged ways, its war, war ways. So the characters are still very suspicious. Um, and then one of the characters um, was invited, is a Warforged um, and uh, Banner. And he was invited to join them to meditate upon the becoming God. And he could kind of feel like, wow, there is something here. We're, we're touching on a spark of the divine. We're, we're lighting the spark of the divine. They said, you can come and join us anytime you want. All we ask is that you, you uh, accept our, our message of peace. You accept our philosophy of, of peace and put your weapons aside. And he says, well, I'm not ready to do that yet. They said, that's fine. Come, come to us when you are and, and we'll be here. And um, I think that's kind of where the session ended. So, oh, they, they know that in the bottom of Angwar Keep is a huge, like, 20-foot wide uh, um, hatch that opens up into a tunnel that goes deep, deep, deep underground, underneath the river. And, if, and there's these big, like, rungs that lead down into the deeps. And that's where Imperai and her mercenaries went. So they know that Imperai went to Angwar Keep, went down there, and then they haven't been seen since. And what the... Uh, Warforce say is this, we don't advertise the fact that this is here. We don't keep it a secret and anybody can use it if they want to use it. But um, this, these tunnels were used to connect um, Thrain and Sire through Esten and uh, Angwar Keep. So um, 
this leads to Eston. And it's the only safe way to get to Eston because trying to travel across the Mornland any other way is very, very risky. And they said, okay. Uh, yeah, so, so we started, that was where the game started. So let, let's get my game notes uh, ready here. Uh, so I use uh, Notion to do my game prep. Uh, I will, Notion. Um, if you have any questions about how Notion works, I have videos on the topic uh, and you will see some of how uh, I use it now. But if you want more details, there's a link in the show notes. There's also a link in the chat. Uh, and yeah, sorry, I'm not gonna show you my dice. My dice are upstairs. Uh, so uh, we have session planning template. We take this and we duplicate it. And we drag it to the top and we create a new chart. And today is 4 October 2020, Sunday, Eberron. Uh, so uh, here we have in this Notion template the eight steps from Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master. Uh, they're all listed here. And you'll see that I tend to jump around. I can actually go to the bottom and I can pull out these guys because that's my one. Oh, yikes. No, don't do that. Uh, I'm going to delete this. Um, uh, that is the notes for my Wednesday group. Uh, and... So we will start with, let's see, I'm going to bring it. I always need to have like a couple copies of this up and running because we're going to look at the characters. So who are the characters in today's game? We have Zarentir Delander. Zarentir is a member of House Delander. He uh, stole his father's airship and crashed it twice. And he has a cousin who lives in Arldusk. He is a half-elf storm-marked storm sorcerer and loves him some overpowered lightning bolts. Uh, Saber is a shifter monk bounty hunter uh, and, you know, kind of explorer. Uh, we have, uh, sorry, that's Saber, right? Shift is the one of the first Warforged ever built, uh, built in a combination of House Kaneth and the nation of Karnath uh, and has her brother's personality embedded in her head as well. So she has her own personality and her brother's personality. Her brother was a Warforged named Crash who served the Emerald Claw and was defeated. Uh, but now his personality is inside her head. Uh, the player has been out for a few weeks while she was moving, but I think she's coming back today. So I think we're going to see Shift again. And I, I, I'm very happy to see Shift come back. Uh, Banner is a Warforged follower of the Becoming God, former uh, member of the, I think he was a member of the Lord of Blades for a little while, left them because of their violent ways, uh, now is kind of seeking to find himself. And I think, you know, he was very suspicious and didn't believe in the pacifist ways of the Warforged, but now uh, is kind of seeing what's going on there. Uh, Shane Husk is a uh, best-selling uh, schlocky novelist who wrote about the last war, uh, Hobgoblin Wizard. And uh, Arwen Chi Sizu is a member of House Civis, a uh, Dragonmark member of House Civis, uh, who carries a uh, icosahedron in her hand, or carries an icosahedron around that is apparently the key to finding Claw Rift. Uh, so those are the characters in today's game. So I have now reviewed the characters. So strong start. I was thinking about this earlier, um, which I guess kind of counts as, you know, the question is, is thinking prep time? Uh, I don't think so. I think we think about our games all the time, and I think we dream about our games, and we do all kinds of stuff. So uh, uh, so I, 
Um, I think prep is when you're actually sitting down and doing stuff. But in the meantime, I was thinking about like, what would be a strong start? So I, you know, sometimes I don't have one and sometimes I do. This time I think I have an idea for a strong start. And it's the, it's the scene from Witness. So if you recall the movie Witness with Harrison Ford, old movie about where Harrison Ford plays a cop uh, who is helping, um, a cop who is helping uh, an Amish family deal with the fact that a young son has seen a murder that was committed by cops. And so Harrison Ford has to go and stay with the Amish to protect the kid. And there's a great big shootout at the end. Um, but one of the interesting things is like the Amish are peaceful people. They don't believe in violence. And they go to town one time and a bunch of like yokels at the town are giving him a bunch of, you know, a bunch of grief. And they, Harrison Ford is dressed like an Amish guy and he just cannot, he's this hard boiled New York cop. And this guy's like wiping ice cream on his nose and Harrison Ford's just staring at him. And the look on his face is one of like, how can you be so rude? Yeah. Evil John says 1985 or old movies. Yeah. It's a classic movie. It's really classic. I think it was colorized by Turner network television. I, I kid. Um, and, you know, so Harrison Ford is standing there. I don't remember. Booker. Booker's his name. And he's like, Booker's like staring at this guy. And he's just like, how can you be this rude to these people, right? How, you know, and he's wiping the nose. And finally, he just beats the crap out of it. He breaks, breaks his nose and beats the crap. And they're like, oh, my God. And, you know, he can't, he just can't help himself. And, um, and the Amish are appalled. They're like, you were with us and you broke our vows. And he's like, I'm not Amish. He goes, you were with us. You were, were you know, they're not going to know the difference. And now... Think how far you set them back. So I, I kind of want to set up a powder keg like that. What did I read? I was reading a excellent uh, book by uh, Wolfgang Bauer for Cobalt Press called Cobalt's Guide to Campaign Building. Highly recommend it. Cobalt uh, uh, Guide to Campaign. Do not get it off the trove. Oh, I hate them so much. Cobalt Guide to World Building. This book right here, uh, you can pick it up and get the PDF for 10 bucks. You can get the PDF and the physical version for 20. I ordered the physical version. I hope to have it here soon. And um, it's a, I mean, you look at the list of people, Keith Baker, Wolfgang Bauer, Dave Cook, Monty Cook, Jeff Grubb, Chris Promise, you know, all these people that are like, you know, they've, they've been, oh, it's available as an audiobook. No kidding. I'm getting it in Audible. Holy cow. Great book. And I was reading the first essay by Wolfgang Bauer about building campaigns. And he said like, Something like, I have to, I got to look it up because I don't want to screw it up. Um, so give me a moment here while I go, you know, look things up on my computer, which just makes for awesome time. Uh, documents, other RPGs. Uh, let's go to date modify. Cobalt Guide to World Building. Uh, I'm not going to show the book because I don't have permission to, to show it on screen. Um, but yeah, great subheader. Uh, background and dynamite right, was the name of his subheader, right? And it's like you set up some background and then you set up some dynamite and you watch what happens. You hand, you know, I think I closed it. I'm an idiot. Um, uh, background and dynamite. And I think the final line in it was uh, the goal. No, the goal is not an encyclopedic world building approach. The goal of good campaign. This is your right. 
mark this down. The good of the goal of good campaign setting design is to stack as many boxes of dynamite as possible and then gingerly hand the whole ensemble to GM so they may cackle with glee at all of the tools, hooks, conflicts, dangers, and purely delightful mayhem, which you uh, might have so thoughtfully provided them. I would I would switch that a little bit and say instead of handing the ensemble to GMs, that our job as GMs is to, you know, is to stack up the dynamite, be a build a world fill it with dynamite and hand the fuse over, hand the matches over to the characters and watch them blow things up. Um, it just fills me with excitement to even say that. Like, I, I love that idea. Uh, so um, what's the dynamite we're going to set up here, which is, I think, a bunch of yokel, you know, village yokels, uh, come, you know, drunken yokels, right, of course, uh, come to Angwar Keep. and uh, cause mayhem among the farms. Um, right? And um, the characters uh, are going to, let's see, we'll, we'll hyperlink this. I love, hey, that was fast. That, that seems a little faster. Um, so, uh, and we'll, we'll just, there are gonna be a bunch of bandits, right? But they're really just yokels. They're local local jerks. And they're going to come and they're going to like set in and be like, you know, get out of here, you tractors, right? You're a bunch of stupid machines and you don't have souls and we think you're dumb and, you know, everything else like that. And the characters and the and the the, the followers, you know, I think the lead follower is going to go out there and, and speak to them and is like, you know, if you want anything, we can get you it, you know, whatever you want. And they're going to like beat him up with a shovel, right? And he's going to take it. And then, and how far will the characters go before they'll do something? And I think like the other members of the bandits are going to say like you have to understand, he would rather them beat him to death with a shovel, than raise a hand than any of us raising a hand against them, right? And keep that in mind. And and it will be a fun way to see like that's the dynamite, right? The dynamite is can they watch this nice peaceful warforged guy get beat up by by a bunch of yokels without getting involved? And if they get involved can they do so and not ruin the reputation of the Warforged among the local farms, right? That is a real, it's a powerful scene. It's a, it's a little scary, right? That like, that is a, that is a scary scene to put in front of people because it's pretty serious, right? It's a serious scene and it's going to test people and it's going to test the players as much as the characters, right? But I think I'm going to do it because I think it's I think it's going to be interesting. Um, and it's a strong starter, right? Right. It's a it's a thing that's going to occur. Now, probably I fully expect my characters are going to find ways to deal with the thing, stop the event from happening, not hurt the people and maybe even, you know, uh, make it better. I don't know. How, I don't know what they're going to do. Maybe they go out there and start beating the crap out of them. Right. Like like, like Booker, <laughs> you know, they'll have to explain it. And the Warforger will be like, you know, you set us, you know, you beat up those yokels. You set us back and God help them if any of them die. Right. Then they're in real trouble. And they could it, it's in theory, the characters could a lot of things could happen in this situation. And I don't know what's going to happen. Right. It's possible that um, uh, the, 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 the character is going to die. You know, uh, it's possible that um, the characters kill the yokels and now the Warforger are in serious trouble. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of things could happen here. So it's going to be really interesting. And I'm very curious to see how it goes. So um Drunken Yokels is the first scene. Um, 
down the shaft traversing these are the scenes right so what are the scenes drunken yokels is scene one scene two is down the shaft they go they head down the shaft um scene three is traveling through uh the under tunnels so they've this group uh have not yet this group has already spent a fair bit of time in kyber kyber being the under um let me just get my last scene because i already have some so, so a dirt, another dirty trick is both of my groups i'm running the basically the same campaign for two groups right and both of my groups have now come to roughly the same spot in the campaign the, the campaign is narrowed down there's still lots of choices but the but the general flow is going to be the same and my Wednesday group is now two sessions ahead of my Sunday group, one to two sessions ahead, which means I already kind of know where things are going to go. Um, so, uh, so we're going to see. So traveling through the under tunnels, uh, then there is the Warforged um, uh, Charnel Pit, uh, and then Esten. So the good news is because. My other group has already done this. Prep for today's game is actually significantly easier because I got a lot of stuff uh, already. Um, so uh, so I, I've, I've got a pretty good idea. Again, I'm lucky because I've already run a lot of this stuff, but there is some thoughts about the undertunnels and what I want to do with the undertunnels. So what are some secrets and clues? Uh, some of this stuff I think they already know. Imperi. Um, the search is getting a lot faster when you when you're looking up links. Um, I always have to check my texts because sometimes I get texts that says, "Hey, your show is totally screwed up." Uh, Imperi Difalarn uh, took a bunch of mercenaries through the under tunnels to Eston. Man, the search is way faster today. That's awesome. Uh, Imperi, I don't know if I have to hyperlink it every stupid time, was captured by the Black Tusk. Um, Imperi Diflarm was captured by Black Tusk Warforged and taken to the lair of the Black Tusk. What's the layer of the Black Tusk, you might ask? It's actually a fantastic layer that I want to play test. Um, so I'm, I'm, I've been trying to squeeze in a play test of this fantastic layer for some time, and I'm hoping to get there. Um, what other secrets? There are many factions in Esten, uh, including the Greys. Uh, the Black Tusks, um, Children of the God Drums, uh, and numerous, oh, uh, the Lord of Blades, Followers of the Lord of Blades and rag and many ragtag groups of um, salvagers, uh, 
scavengers. Um, so lots of groups uh, operating in there, but it's a it's a bad bad city. Um, powerful magic in Eston. I, I'm addicted to like the linking, so I do it all the time. Powerful magic in Eston uh, has been released, causing living spells to run rampant. Um, Karshak is treated as a god in Eston, particularly by the children. Particularly by the children of the god drums who sac make sacrifices to it to them every evening when the god drums play. Uh, Karshak resides in a sealed, uh, in a huge sealed sarcophagus known as Karshak's, I don't think I have a link for it, Karshak's Kresh. Um, what other things? Is there anything they could learn down below? So I'm just hammering through secrets. And most of these are all secrets about Eston and what's going on there. Um, uh, the Warforged of the Black Tusks saw what Imperi carried uh, and wanted to give it and... and brought it, it and her, to their leader, Black Tusk. So you imagine? Um, many mutated, uh, warforged, roam the streets of Eston. Uh, some like to believe they were mutated by the by the morning but most recognize that house Kenneth built these uh, near the end of the war built these abominations They really are. They're terrible. They're terrible creations. Um, ooh, I've got a good one. Shift was built in Eston at uh, Skyfall Tower and Crash. 
Shift and Lord Crash were built in Eston at Skyfall Tower. Uh, I need an NPC. We're going to have to make a an NPC for this. Uh, and my final secret. Um, uh, this is great and all, but where are the nukes hidden? Underneath the city. It depends on which nukes we're talking about. But uh, if you recall, so Dirty Secrets. I am stealing so much of this from Stephen King's book, The Wastelands, uh, the third book of the Dark Tower series. And thinking back, man, I love those books. I just finished reading them all again. It took me a year to listen to all the audiobooks again. And I don't know, I might do it again, but I might skip the last two. Um, and boy, they're great. You know, thinking back on them again, and Wastelands in particular is such a great book. Um, and it has this city called Lud and Lud is run by the pubes and the greys who are these warring tribes and they hear the God drums play. I'm stealing all this, the God drums. I'm even stealing the song, which is Velcro fly by ZZ top. If you want to hear what the God drums sound like, go Google, uh, go, go to YouTube and look up, uh, Velcro fly by ZZ top. And that's what the God drums sound like. I ran it from my other group and they're like, what the hell? And they're like, they freaked out. I, I said like, go play this track. And that's what you hear. And they're like, we got to run. <laughs> like that was, we expected this like low methodical drum. And instead it's this like rapid drum. They're like, and it's driving the city insane. So, um, but part of what happens in Lud is when Karshak leaves, when he, when the, when our, our, our heroes get on, get on, not Karshak, but when they get on, um, uh, Blaine, and they leave Lud, he blows up Lud. He, he fills it with poison gas and kills everybody in the city. And I would not leave it past Karshak to do exactly the same thing. Like, this is my last run, you know, and, and he's going to blow up the city. So um, many, I think that's a good secret. And the, the secret will be many powerful weapons of war still exist in caches beneath the streets of um, Eston. Uh, so, uh, LARP strong Carter. Wait, I, how did I not know the great, amazing Slight Flash? And no, I'm not great, amazing. Uh, has a Twitch. I knew there was a void in my life. That void is now fulfilled. Yes, every Sunday. It's you probably didn't know because I run it at one of the worst possible times, which is um, Sunday mornings at at ten. Ten. Sunday mornings at 10. That sounds right. Uh, which means it's like 7 a.m. Pacific. Like it's not, it's not a good time for basically anybody. Um, but yeah, but you can watch all, if you like it and you like the episodes, um, then, uh, you can go to the YouTube channel and you can see them all there. I think there's like a hundred of them. You know, how many, how many, uh, I've got a lot of these now. Uh, and, uh, uh, playlists 140 of them so if you want to watch 140 hours of mike shea preparing for his game do i have the playlist for you and it's right it's right there um so if you just want to watch the eberron one the eberron one only has 27 of them they're also available in podcast form yes so yeah anyway back to the game uh Many powerful weapons of war still exist in caches beneath the streets of Eston. I think that that is a good one. So, uh, so I've got my secrets and clues. So I've got a strong start. I've got some cool scenes. What I don't have is secret, any secrets and clues that are tied to the tunnels beneath. Um, I'm going to say that um, Emperai 
uh, lost half of her mercenaries getting through the undertunnels. Um, so that's a problem. So uh, fantastic locations. We have Angwar Keep. We have uh, the Undertunnels, and we have Esten. Those are really big, fantastic locations. So you, you may notice, uh, if careful followers uh, might notice that in Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master, um, did I close it? I must have closed it, yeah. In Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master, when I talk about fantastic locations, I usually have like, the, the scenes and backdrops that exist for any given scene. And lately, if you watch, um, yeah, I watched the videos for the cats. There, were, there was a cat there earlier today. Um, lately, you'll see that I link to location pages that I have in Notion that have numerous places in them. So I'm kind of cheating on the locations, but it, it, part of that is the way that, that, notion works is really nice so when i say angwar keep is a fantastic location i link it i already have this like whole page with pictures of angwar keep and descriptions of it and maps which you might notice are all stolen i actually uh little known secret i commissioned um jared blando to make angwar keep maps for me just for this adventure that's a lie i stole castle Neritar from um horde of the dragon queen um, so I'll create these like location pages and you can see, like, I've had this location going on since September, mid early September, six, nine. Yeah. Both my groups have been dealing with it and it's linked to the under tunnels, uh, under tunnels. Uh, I also stole, oh, the maps, they're big. I have big maps in here. Uh, I stole this map from Dyson. I didn't steal it. It's available for free on his website and uh, given. And uh, here's a trick that I did. Let's let's open this up. Um, man, slow. Uh, one of the things I did is I I have started just quickly annotating the map with areas that I think might be interesting for them to explore. Um, I don't even know if I'm going to use this though, because I don't think I want them to spend too. I don't want them to spend more than a session. I want them to make it across the thing. So I have all of these like places that they can explore. Um, but I don't think, um, uh, I don't think we're going to spend a lot of time in these places. I mostly want them to kind of get through this whole place and then make it, make it across. But it, if I wanted to do like a hex crawl, an underground hex crawl thing, this was the map I was going to use for it. And all I did was, uh, I opened up the Dyson map. I opened it up in preview on a Mac and then preview, you can annotate with just text and then put a white box around it. And that way it, it, you can read it easily. And you can do the same thing in paint. I'm pretty sure. I think you can do the same kind of annotation in paint. There's, there's other tools you can use to like quickly annotate a map. You want whatever tool you can use to quickly annotate a map and then just drop names on there that are, are inspiring and use that to improvise. That's lately what I'm, what I've been doing. So I have this, but I don't think I'm really going to use uh, this whole thing. So we're, we're, we're kind of going to go back and think about that a, a bit because I do want it to go quickly. Uh, let's go back to my notes. Backlinking is so awesome, man. Backlinking is a new feature. I don't know if you saw that. New feature in Notion they added is this idea of like, these are all the pages that link to this page, right? So every 
set of notes that I've got that ever linked back to Anguar Keep is linked here, but also Arl Dusk is linked here and, and, and Undertunnels are linked here. So I can click back and forth between those two. Apparently there's more. Um, but that make, makes it very easy for me to kind of go, okay, I'll go back to today's notes. Same thing if I go to Undertunnels, you can see which notes, sets of notes um, uh, are there. Now what's interesting is that Anguar Keep is not listed in Undertunnels. No, they are, because this one says that the Undertunnels are here, I think somewhere, doesn't it? Whatever. Um, so uh, that's how I've been doing locations recently. Um, and that works pretty well. So NPCs. Uh, so I have an NPC. Let's, let's go over here. Let's go to my NPCs. Um, Stevius Jackstone, <laughs> owner and proprietor of the... Uh, so Longspear. Now Longspear is somebody else. Um, there's Clasp, there's Cousin, Cousin Kellard, Glaive, uh, was his name. Um, so Glaive is an important character. Uh, leader, uh, of the followers of the becoming, of the becoming God. Uh, he's an important NPC. Then we, of course, we have Emperor I. Uh, Karshak. Um, so I don't really have, I don't have to do a lot of work for NPCs. I'm pretty good. I review them. Sure, I did that. Um, monsters. So now we want to think about, so, so who do we have? We have bandits. Um, we have the yokels. Uh, so what's down in the under tunnels? Um, phase spiders would be pretty great. Uh, Dolgrim and Dolgaunts. I like the idea of maybe Mind Flayers. Um, Warforged Werewolves. Um, uh, what else? Thank you, Evil John. Uh, any other things down here? So I don't, um, I think that that's pretty good. Uh, and any treasure, uh, it's probably a good time since I got some time. Let's go back to the characters. Uh, and let's just take a look at how they're doing on magic items. Uh, Zarin, does, what does Zarin tier have? I think he's the one that made his... Does he show a character? Oh, he does show a character. Okay. Uh, let's take a look at his equipment. Uh, he has a wand of magic missiles. He could probably use... Oh, uh, he's got his focus and orb of shielding. Those are both minor items. Um, he could probably use something else. Uh, ah! Um, Saber's fine. He just got stuff. Uh, does shift? What does she have? Sending something. So shift is in need of stuff. Shift may get the uh, the the docent for all I know. 
Um, but uh, I think a rod of the pack keeper would be really good. Um, so we're going to throw a rod of the pack keeper uh, in the notes. Um, I'll tell you, uh, so an interesting thing, an interesting observation I have is given the way that character power grows, the idea of needing to use like the plus two and plus three weapons isn't really, doesn't come up much. Like a rod of the pack keeper is so good even at plus one that the idea of giving a plus two rod of the pack keeper, she, her attack bonus is already crazy high, right? Compared to like the AC of the monsters they face. Um, I don't know about other people, but I'm finding that I, I generally give, she's got a plus eight already. She'll be plus nine and then even higher as she, as she goes up. So the idea that she needs a plus 10 to hit with a rod of the pack keeper, like it, it seems like the plus one weapons are, are perfectly fine. Like there's a big jump between having no magic item and having a plus one magic item that isn't increased when you go from plus one to plus two. Um, so the idea of like having a plus two or plus three long sword, it's kind of lame. Like, now, Vorpal Swords are great, and, and, and ones that have those plus bonuses are really great. But I don't see a lot of need in giving away generic plus two and plus three items. Not that a Rotted Pack Keeper. Um, so, you know, I generally think that, like, plus one items are good enough across, you know, almost three tiers of play. Uh, yeah, and then Evil John says a plus one magic weapon blows up all the resistances on most mobs. Yeah, and people tend to focus so much energy on, on getting their core stats up that tr giving them those extra couple of points, it's just going to make them a little bit more overpowered, right? Um, it's a weird thing I've noticed. Like, I don't, I don't tend to give away magic items that are of the tier two, tier three, tier four variety. I will, I'll, sometimes I'll give away like a really big one. I gave a... Um, uh, long, um, uh, flame touched longsword, flame tongue longsword to characters when they were like six, and boy, he's eaten. That's a the monk has it. And boy, the monk is eating stuff alive with that with that thing. Um, so it's really powerful, but it's not a it's a plus zero, right? It just does two d six fire damage, and that's what that's that's where the power is. So I think we're gonna throw a rod of the pack keeper in there, um, and that's probably good for now. Uh, Zarentir, uh, I'd like to get something for Zarentir. Uh, his AC is already 18. What is he wearing? Um, oh, he's carrying a shield, I guess. He wears a breastplate. Uh, did he take a feat? Oh, because he's a, a second-level cleric, so he's got high AC. Ah, uh, multi-classing. Armor is a different story. Plus two chain, plate or chain can really make it hard. Yeah, I mean, it can. It means like, you know, yeah, that, that can be a big deal. Um, so if he likes breastplates, uh, some kind of magical breastplate wouldn't be bad. They, you know, yeah, people love to boost their AC. I think they fig figured out that boosting AC is a real big deal. But not when you're facing mind flayers. Um, so I don't really have any others. And uh, so let's go to my random tables. Uh, other random generators. Let's look at Eberron Relics. Old finger bone of Zoriat that casts Wall of Stone. That sounds awesome. Let's grab that and throw that in there. Uh, Burn Flute of Valara, the Crawling Queen that casts Bigby's Hand. That's not bad. I like that. 
and we'll throw another relic. Um, pulsing bonus Sorlona cast vicious mockery. Eh. Uh, Hasmadani glyph forked rod of the draconic uh, prophecy. Pulsing idol of Colseer that casts ensnaring strike. To reload on this. Grimy Opal, the Shadow Marches, that casts Elemental Weapon. Mm, that's not bad. Carved Spike of the Spirits of the Past, that casts Elemental Weapon. I kind of like that. We'll take that. Um, so what the hell are these? Eberron Relics. Um, Eberron Relics is a... I've been making a lot of random generators, and if you are a patron of Sly Flourish at patreon.com slash Sly Flourish... Uh, you can see these random generators. I link to them there, and I, they're also linked in the Discord chat for patrons uh, for these. And I have all kinds of them that I've been generating that are really kind of cool, uh, including an adventure generator. Charlotte, a foul-mouthed dwarf, wants the characters to hunt down a loving tiefling acolyte named Rakios, protected by veterans at the Hallowed Vault. And then I have Eberron versions of those, too. Eberron vocation. Uh, Eberron encounters. Uh, all kinds of stuff there. I thought I had an Eberron. Eberron adventures. Uh, uh, Abelard, a love-struck orc of House Vala, uh, Videlis, wants the characters to clear out black puddings at the buried fortress of the Cult of the Dragon Below. That's pretty cool. Clear out those black puddings out of the old, cult, the, the old fortress of the Cult of the Dragon Below. I love random generators. Those are built, by the way. This is something I really love, Perchance. Uh, perchance is a... Um, uh, perchance is a random generator uh, where you can create uh, very simple um, uh, random generators. So you say test, uh, and we will say uh, orc. Uh, oh, let's see. So output, and we say monsters. Uh, why does it have errors? Uh, shouldn't have that anymore. Whoops. Oh, well. Anyway, it's a great way to make random generators. Trust me. Uh, you can make really, really cool. Um, uh, oh, did I, did I spell it wrong? Is that why it was dicked, uh, out? put did that do it uh let's get rid of meta i don't think that works hmm normally that works well let me show one uh so i will show view your generators we will go to my slide flourish adventure generator uh, this is a really complicated one because I put a whole lot of stuff in it. But you have title, random generator, output, you know, a bunch of stuff, mission objectives, relic types, locations, adversaries, random monsters. I have a whole ton of different conditions that you can apply to either items or places, like bloody and floating and abyssal. Uh, I have locations. Uh, these are a whole bunch of locations. 30-ish, it looks like. 76 to 106. That's like 30 of different main locations. I have races. You can you can put weighting on them. So humans are more likely, twice, three times more likely than a normal one. Elves are twice as more likely. Dwarves are twice as more likely. 
Um, personality types, a bunch of personalities, NPC types, cult factions um, for just for cults, humanoids. So you could say like goblins, but every so goblins show up by themselves twice as often as they show up with bugbears or hobgoblins, right? So that's kind of neat. So you can put like an or statement in there. Cultists of the cult factions, monster conditions. So you can have fiery stuff. It's really, really cool. Uh, relics. So you can generate relics in here too. Spells if you want some certain spells. Um, uh, and then I have random monsters by challenge rating in here so that I could actually generate it. And then I have a huge random name table, 400, 400 to 1,500. How many is that? Is that 1,000 random names? I don't know. I have a lot of random names in here. Lots and lots and lots of random names. I don't remember where I got them all. But boy, I've got a huge list of random names. Um, and when you run it, you get... You get this guy, you know, Emily, a surly human, wants the characters to rescue a foul-mouthed tiefling named Josiah, imprisoned by minotaurs at an astral at an astral catacombs. Astral cata catacomb uh, should be that. Whoops, uh, that should be catacomb. Uh, where do I have catacombs? Don't make a plural. Uh, whoops, Colosseum. Somewhere in here's a catacomb. Catacombs. There. Perfect. Um, yeah, really powerful tool. Uh, Perchance.org is the site, and I highly recommend it. It's very, very cool. Go there. Check it out. Uh, so do I have everything I need? I got my treasure. I've got monsters. I've got NPCs. I've got fantastic locations. I've got ten, more than 10 secrets and clues. I got a bunch of scenes. I got a strong start. How do I feel? I feel pretty good. Um, I guess there's one th last thing I'd like to work on with the three minutes, and that's like what location... You know, how do I want to handle it when they go down into um, the undersellers? Do I want to have them kind of crawl through it and then just sort of have an encounter? Uh, I think I think I might. Um, uh, you know, I could almost generate like a random list. Like, what, let's see, if I go to the undertunnels and I've got these location names, I kind of want to use this. Like they're making their way through uh, each of these is probably a few hundred feet, right? And they see these Dakani arches and the insect mounds. They can kind of travel in different directions. There's thin groves. So then, like, if we have, like, a quick um, uh, encounters uh, in here, and we'll make a list. So I want – I like mind flares. Um, there's definitely some um, – I don't know why it went to that. Um, Dolgrim and Dolgaunts. Um, uh, intellect of ours. Uh, phase spiders. Um, uh, we want to have some non-combat things. Um, so I want to have the... Uh, uh, mercenaries like um, so some of Imperi's mercenaries survived and they might be down there goblin explorers um, are they Dakani or are they uh, Dargoon um, what about like a ghost of, uh, a gatekeeper ghost? 
That'd be a cool one. Uh, insect mounds. Um, mutated. Uh, insects that. Uh, oh, what about cranial rats? Cranial rats are awesome, right? We love those. Way more encounters than I'm going to use. But you can see, like, you know, it's just kind of getting your mind working, right? More so than, I'm like, I don't even know if I'm going to roll on this necessarily, but I might I might pick it, and I'll, I'll, you can kind of choose as you go. Let's just have one more, though, for funsies. And then I'll, I'll, I'll pontificate for a moment about the power of uh, coming up with lists of 10 things. Anything else? Oh, Beholder. <laughs> Why not have a Beholder? So... One of the things that I find hugely powerful these days um, is coming up with lists of 10 things. And uh, you can use it when you're doing your prep, like right now. And there, there's something about coming up with a list of 10 things. 10 is, and, and, and it follows the same philosophies of secrets and clues. That one of the reasons why it's 10 secrets and clues is because usually coming up with three or four is really easy. The next three or four aren't real hard. And then those last three are a pain in the ass. And yet those are the ones where really cool things come up. That's where your mind is working. And there's something about using random, coming up with a list of things where you sort of flush out the easy stuff by hammering out seven. And then later on you get up cranial rats. Boom, right? So there's something powerful about it. And I was thinking about it for building a city. I actually did it for building out Eston. Um, just make sure that's saved. Go back here. Then we'll go to Eston. And uh, when I was coming with Eston, the city of Eston, uh, I came up with this map and I just started like writing down places, right? The dungeon of the children, like the idea that there's a, a prison that the children have now converted into their own homes, right? Theater of the Greys, like it's, it's almost like the theater in Australia that sits out over the water. And that's why it's been protected for so long. Skyfall Tower, the last standing tower of the uh, house... Uh, House Kenneth here. Um, the actual ruins of House Kenneth are here, right? Filled with crazy ass stuff. The yard is where they start off. They actually pop out of the yard. The factory is nearby where they actually made Warforged, you know, tons and tons of Warforged. So this is kind of like New Orleans during World War II, right? Like this is where weapons of war got made here. Um, Lair of the Black Tusks. So the idea of like coming, you know, pulling up a map and coming up with like 10 locations. I think they have 10. Yeah, I've got 10 locations on this map. And it just like all I need is a couple of words, right? I don't need to fill them all out. I don't have paragraphs of stuff. I just have a couple of words, right? And it's just enough, like the tombs. I know what that means. I know what's there, right? And yeah, I could probably use a better word than just the tombs, like the crawling tombs or the, the floating tombs, right? Floating tombs sound better, like the idea of a bunch of crypts that are sort of floating in earth modes. That's that's cool, right? So, you know, the factory, you know, needs a needs an ad adjective. I don't know what. Um, but the idea of coming up with lists of 10 things, who are, what are 10 interesting NPCs? What are 10 secrets and clues? What are 10 fantastic locations? Like you don't need 10 all the time, but boy, it's handy. It's a good way to kind of shake your brain up and it's fixed and focused and it gets you moving. Like you're not just allowed to like think about one and think about it forever and write seven paragraphs about it. You got to like, nope, I need 10. Bang, 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 bang. And I've actually really enjoyed making those random lists on Perchance that way and the random generators you saw that are on the patreon um these guys uh not that guy you know um 
Although, yeah, Regnumratus has them, right? At the end of Regnumratus. So we have a bunch of adventures, a bunch of places you can, you can crawl to. But then there's like a, hey, let's extend Regnumratus out. Let's have different encounters and different locations that you can have. Yeah, very cool. Um, all right, I'm happy with it. Uh, same thing, thing. Like coming up with these lists was really fun and, and thought-provoking. And, and A, you can come up with lists of 10 things to get your mind going. And then you can roll on lists of 10 things in order to get your mind going. So that's, that's kind of the hope. So there's a real power in, in that sort of list of 10 and um, probably deserves an article and maybe a video just on that. Uh, anyway, I feel good. I feel like my game is set. Uh, I want to thank everybody. We had a long stream for those hanging around. Hour and 47 minutes for everybody that hung around the whole time. Uh, hour, minutes for, hour, hour and four minutes for the video itself. Uh, I want to thank everybody for coming. Uh, always a special thanks to Evil John for managing the channel and taking care of things, keeping, keeping things clean there. And um, yeah, I want to thank everybody for coming. Uh, have a great day. Have a great week. Uh, and hopefully you have a chance to uh, go play some D&D. &D. See you later.